Hello, listeners. The PCPS would like to invite you to a whole new way of supporting this podcast. With much gratitude to our monthly supporters on Patreon, we've listened to those of you who like choices, and some of you would prefer to make a one-time donation instead. Done. You can now go to the PCPS website at poppreservationist.com and scroll down until you see a button that says, Help Us Keep On Truckin'. The Pop Culture Preservation Society is a completely independent production, written, produced, and distributed by Carolyn, Kristen, and Michelle, and your monetary support is our only source of revenue. This is what pays our bills and keeps the podcast up and running. If you'd like perks to go along with your donation, then a monthly Patreon membership is still the right choice for you. You can choose a level of support that fits your budget, Superstar, Solid Gold, or Bicentennial, and get PCPS extras in your inbox as a token of our appreciation. Episode extras or outtakes, bonus material, downloadable art, and more. And if you still just want to make a one-time donation, you can pay for a full year at once and get a fat discount. We are good Minnesotans, so we hate to inconvenience you, but we will if it means we get to keep doing this job. Thank you so much, and please enjoy the show. This was our song. This was our song. He didn't know it was our song. Of course, right. (laughs) But it was. This was a long-term relationship in my mind. Hello world, it's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who know what the Dewey Decimal System is and how to use it, like 920's biographies. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we're each saving the three songs that made an impact on our lives at a time when pretty much everything made an impact on our lives. Junior High. I'm Carolyn. I'm Christy. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. My home lies deep within you. And I've got my own place in your soul. I bet if I gave each of you a year or a segment of your life, like college or early motherhood, or even now, you could give me a song or 10 that instantly bring you back to that time because of a memory or something monumental, like good monumental or bad monumental that happened. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've talked about music a lot on this podcast and had multiple conversations about not just the importance of its role in our lives, but how music and certain songs specifically are truly transformative and responsible for much of the joy we're all finding in this nostalgia. You can put on a Carpenter's album or the Grease soundtrack, and the music, that music that is part of you on a cellular level, is an instant balm. Yeah, it is. It's like a time travel device. It is. Yeah. And I think I love the way that you talk about it being on a cellular level, because I really think it gets imprinted somehow um, into our cells, because I don't really have the choice of my body having these physical, visceral reactions when these songs come on. So it's imprinted somewhere that Mm -hmm. is not necessarily, um, you know, just me thinking about it. It happens on its own. I think it has to be, yeah, like you said, on a cellular level. Well, and the cellular aspect of it, too, is I think the reason why the song can send you back instantly to a thing that happened that might not be monumental. 
-hmm. It might be something very small, like, uh, you know, when the teacher called on you to do a math problem on December 22nd, 1981, and nothing happened. And it's not really that memorable of a thing. But for whatever reason, that song makes you think of that very mundane moment. I have a Wings song that takes me back to just writing in a car. Like yes. with my mom and my sister. Exactly. It's not anything big. Yes. It's just writing in the car. Would, I don't know if anything happened, and I don't think it did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I found an interesting article online on the website Sound of Life, and I'll link that in this week's Weekly Reader, that gives us the actual science behind it. And science is real, you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It says, when listening to music, the brain's visual cortex lights up. This causes us to associate the sound with visual and other memories almost instantly. These sensory snapshots become memories and remain with us for the rest of our lives. Again, we can still create these connections when older, but the ones made before the brain finishes developing at age 25 are likely to be the most deep-rooted and powerful. This is called the reminiscence bump. Yeah. Isn't that interesting. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. and it goes on to say our brains are amazing at recognizing music we've heard before. Not only will our minds recall the sound stored in our memory, but it will also conjure the other sensory memories that have been attached to it. This is why you'll hear a song from your college days and be able to taste your old roommate's cooking, or why you might smell leather car seats when hearing something that your dad played while driving around. They say, with all the different parts of the brain that it wakes up and interacts with, musical nostalgia might turn out to be the defibrillator of the mind. Oh, my God. I love that phrase. Yes. Yes. Well, and that also might be why when we hear these songs, we know where we were. We know what it smelled like. We know what was happening. We know what the name of the song was. We know who the performer was. We know this the, the lyrics to the song. We can sing along to it. And Music today, though I may like it and I populate my playlist with all these new songs that I really, really like, I can't keep in my mind who's singing it, what the title of it is. I swear every time I hear something from a playlist that I designed, I'll be oh, I love this song. Who does this? I can't keep it in well, my brain. It's because you don't have the reminiscence bump. I don't that's, have that's the reminiscence what they call bump. The, yeah. the connections we made before our brains stopped yeah. developing at um, age 25. Yeah. If it's Isn't not by Taylor Swift or Harry Styles, I have no idea who is singing that song. Yep. Yeah. Well, today our episode is called Three Songs That Made Me, which coincidentally is similar to the name of a terrific podcast called 10 Songs That Made Me, where artists are asked to share 10 songs that marked memorable and meaningful moments in their lives. But We don't have that kind of time. Uh, That would be 30 songs. That's too much. So our episode, listeners, is called Three Songs That Made Me. And to narrow it down even more, we're going to limit our selections to songs from our junior high years, or in my case, middle school, which shout out to View Ridge Middle School in Ridgefield, Washington, and my scary science teacher, Mr. Horn, who is the only teacher who ever sent me to the corner for talking (gasps) too much and therefore will remain forever in You're scarred. Talk about a reminiscence bump. Mr. Horn lives You'll never too. forget Oof. that. You were the good girl. That um, probably hurt. And I talked all the time. Why'd you pick that mm-hmm. time to send me to the corner? Um, so, okay. So let's just get into it because I know we'll all have feelings about each other's picks. And listeners, this is really fun. We don't know each other's picks yet. So this is going to be a big surprise for all of us as well as you. The things you lean on, the things that don't last, while it's just now and then. My line gets cast into these time passages 
Well, you guys, let's face it. There are so many great and memorable songs from my junior high years, which were 1976 to 1979. Arguably, some of the best years ever when it comes to what was coming out of our radios. So I kind of had to come up with a kind of a rubric to help me narrow down these three songs. And so here's what I did, you guys. The songs I chose had to instantly transport me to those years, and I had to have an immediate, specific feeling when hearing just the first few notes of the song. So with that in mind, my first song, it's maybe going to seem like an odd choice to some of you. It fits my Rubik's criteria perfectly. And that song is Color My World by Chicago. As time goes on say. Chicago had a hit with that song in 1971. And you weren't in middle school then, Carolyn. And I would say, well, that would be correct. But I was in junior high when my band director, Mr. Quillen, chose it as one of the selections for the West Memorial Junior High Symphonic Band to perform. (laughs) Now, odd selection for a band performance, right? I thought that as well. But after doing a little research on this song, I have some theories for you guys, okay? Okay. So, Mr. Quillen, I think, maybe chose it because Color My World was one of the most popular songs to be played at high school dances and weddings in the early 70s. And since Mr. Quillen was probably in his late 20s or early 30s when he was our band director, I'm thinking maybe this song meant something to him. Was it his wedding song, a prom theme? It meant something to him, but it sure didn't mean anything to us. So travel back with me to West Memorial Junior High School because it was always an exciting day in band class when we would get new music. And as a clarinet player, you guys, we seemed to get some pretty good parts to play. Like the recognizable parts of the song, like you could go home and practice it and your parents would know what you were playing. I got the melody. So when I saw the sheet music to Color My World, and listeners, I'm going to put this in the weekly reader or in our show notes, because I thought, really? Well, first of all, let me tell you, Color in this song is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. Oh, yeah. So right away, you're like, what the heck? It's probably the first time I've, I saw the word color spelt that way. And then, you guys, my eyes caught the music. It was like the same 12 notes over and over and over again. Na, 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 As time goes yep. on. But the na 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 the whole song was the clarinets just na na nying it forever and ever now i need you all to know that junior high band in the state of texas it's like you are miniature high school students and band in texas you guys is like a sport so there is before school practice there is after school practice there is band class there is a lot of time spent in band And while I did love Mr. Quillen, he was a taskmaster. And if we made too many mistakes or the clarinet squeaked too much, he would sometimes get really angry and his face would get really red. And his little baton thing, you know, that like kept time to the music that he conducted with, he would throw it on the ground and he would storm off to his office and close the door. And we would all just kind of stare at each other. With children. I I know. He's acting like the child. He is very intense. 
He loved his band. He loved his music and he loved perfection. And so I've got to tell you guys that whenever that song comes on the radio, I get this visceral, like sick to my stomach, feeling so sad for whatever instrument in the real Chicago song had to play the <laughs> na 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 over and over again. And it's so interesting because now, I mean, it's few and far between, but we do listen to 70s on 7 a lot on our XM radio in the car. And so when it does come on and I'll make this like groaning sound, and if any of my family members are in the car, I will start to say, I'll like, you guys, you know why I hate the song? And they say, yes, mom, you played in a middle school band and you had to play that na, 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 na over and over again. So that became the third criteria for how I chose these songs. If my family has heard the story behind some <laughs> oh, of these songs, good. that will be what determines if it made my top um, three list. So, ladies and gentlemen, Color My World by Chicago is a song that will always take me back to junior high. Okay, so now we're moving on to Fred Moore Junior High, um, where I attended Fred Moore Junior High from 1980 until 1983. And the first song um, that I'd like to share with you is Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. Um, so Chariots of Fire. <laughs> it's going to be playing very softly in the background yes, as you, as you tell us in your song. Yeah. Why do we laugh? I don't know, but Chariots of Fire. It's such a great song. It's That's a, a band song. song too, though, isn't it? Yes. So, Chariots of Fire was the theme song for the 1981 movie about two runners in the 1924 Olympics, back when they ran foot races in what basically looked like ballet slippers. And it was used in this classic slow-mo scene when they're dressed all in white. That was their, those were their running togs, all in white, and they're running barefoot in the surf in slow motion. So tell me you're a Gen Xer without telling me you're a Gen Xer. Just play this song and watch people start running in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) Right? For sure. It was a very, it was almost a bionic man kind of thing. (laughs) The way it inspired us to run. And this weird slow motion instrumental song actually went to number one in 1982. So I watched the video to get ready for this. You guys, it's not in slow motion. Wait, it's what? not in slow motion. When they're running? When they're yes. running. Yes, I, I know, is. exactly. You're like, of course it is. I can picture it. Right. Yes. Yes. It's da, indelible da, 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 in my da. mind. And they're yeah. just go, it's beautiful too. In it's my mind. It's beautiful. It's an iconic scene. I'm telling you, it's not in slow motion. And Vangelis is this weird Svengali character at the piano who stops playing now and then now and again to like take a drag off his cigarette in the video. <laughs> so okay, so this yeah. is this is uh, on, is this on MTV then? Yeah. How do we know? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just, I mean, imagine if it didn't have a video, would we even be as invested in the song? Well, I think most people know it from the movie because at that point in time, yeah. when a movie was a big deal, remember we only had like three movies at a time. We didn't mm-hmm, have true. 800 movies out at a time. You had like three movies mm-hmm. and then you have the Oscar contenders and everybody saw the big movie. Well, there's only like five Oscar contenders too. Yes. Or four. There yeah, was, there and now only, there's what, yeah. 10? Yeah. And now there are 10. Well, I don't so think I've ever seen the movie. This. Oh, we might have to rectify that. But oh, honestly, all you have to see is the ch Yeah, that's all I've seen. <laughs> so that's why I'm that. saying, if it wasn't for the yeah. video, I don't yeah. think I'd mm-hmm. care about the song. 
But I love you have to watch the video and just watch yes. him like stop, take his hands off the piano and just you know pick up a cigarette <laughs> and take a big drag. And it's not it's not dramatic. It's it's trashy. It's so funny. Like what are you doing, right. you perv? It's weird. Ugh. So I did a ballet duet with Christy Bougie to Chariots of Fire in seventh grade. I have pictures here. I'm going to show you. Oh my. Yes, I love that picture. Yes, there I am. Oh, she's got point shoes. Yes, I have point shoes on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, you can wow. see I'm dressed all in red. You are. We had bright red leotards, onto which my mom had sewn bright red sequins. Then we had these long, gauzy red skirts. See, don't I look like a flame? Fire. Oh, it's beautiful. Get oh. it? Get fire. Mm-hmm. And then we had these giant red sashes that had to be tied just so, so that we looked uniform. So this dumb sash, look at this dumb sash. Our moms would tie and retie, untie, oh, retie, yeah. tie it again. And so Chariots of Fire was a was a big old deal because Christy Bougie and I had been handpicked from a sea of other girls dressed in red to perform this at some big dealio competition. And I had learned some big time ballet shenanigans to do Chariots of Fire. If you know all the dancers out there, if you know what a tour jeté is, it's big. It's like big girl stuff. And I had to learn how to do it. Um, little Kristen was like, oh, I'm a real ballerina now. Isn't there a leap involved in that? Yes, it's, it's a like form the back, of a leap. It's the back, you do the back thing and then you do a little turn, don't you? Yep, and then you like yeah. flip over and turn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my. It's just a, it's like jinete. Um, <laughs> I, so I can sort of remember how this dance began and and it starts out on the floor. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put on Chariots of Fire and I'm going to try it. You guys, I couldn't even get into the position. Like, that's, <laughs> it was not hard. It was not hard. I couldn't get off the floor. <laughs> it was so demoralizing. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> I couldn't oh, no. do it. It was very sad. My first pick is, might surprise you guys knowing me, but my first pick is Hotel California by The Eagles. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair, warm smell of colitas rising up through the air, up ahead in the distance. You were expecting me to pick some Duran Duran, weren't you? Right. Well, and that's right? in, in Carolyn's category where it came out earlier, that's but it right. affected you in junior high. Exactly. Yes. Oh, so that this song, song affected me too. And not in oh, high. God. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because this song was released in 1976, but in 1982, at my seventh grade Valentine dance, I got asked to dance to this song by Rick Brannon. Rick! Basically, Rick Brannon (laughs) was our class's Jake Ryan. (gasps) The BMOC! And Hotel California is not a short song. I thought, well, that's it. He's chosen me. I'm the one. Mm -hmm. I'm the one. Oh, sorry, all you other girls. I'm it. And then after about, I swear, what felt like 28 minutes of yes. the band who was performing at our seventh grade dance, oh, not a DJ, oh, the right. band who was performing. So Hotel the band California. is playing Hotel California. Yep. Oh. After about what felt like 28 minutes, I was pretty over it because you guys, that song is actually six minutes long. Yes. And it became very awkward. And I think you guys know what I'm talking about. The swaying back and forth while you're averting your gaze just oh. over his left shoulder. Oh, God. You're not talking. 
Because if you talk, your faces have to turn and they're way too close. But over his shoulder, you're seeing all your friends make the kissy faces <laughs> and do all the fun stuff. And you have to remain stone-faced. And I kind of just wanted the floor to open up and swallow me in that moment. Um, I didn't care if I ever felt Rick Brandon's hands lightly touching the waist of my red, polka-dotted, tiered, ruffled, homemade dress ever again. I did not ever feel Rick Brandon's <laughs> hands on my waist ever again. It was not true love. Because choosing me for that dance was probably a dare or something, let's be real. Oh. But you guys, for about two minutes, like as he walked over to me and you realize, and the band's starting, so you hear the song starting and you realize what's about to happen. For about two minutes, that moment and that song to me were everything. You're like, I belong. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I love that. Yeah. That's so funny that like that experience transpired in six minutes, the two minutes of, I've made it. I finally, I'm doing junior mm. high right. And then the la latter half where you're like, I hate this. I well, exactly. And you guys me. know me well enough by now and longtime listeners know me well enough by now too that as our class is Jake Ryan, you know, basically is coming over and you can tell he's going to ask me to dance. I am equal parts elated and absolutely terrified. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what am I going to do? Please don't, please don't, yeah. please don't be coming for me. Please be coming yeah. for me. Please don't be coming for me. Please don't be coming for me. Like, I was so insecure, especially around boys. I mean, in seventh grade, I was insecure around boys in ninth and tenth grade. This is seventh grade. And, and I was, you guys, I was wearing this little red dotted Swiss, like polka dot. My mom made it for me and it had like three tier ruffle. And then I wore a little red choker ribbon with, and she made a little red ribbon rose on it. And I had the, you know, the real fluffy oh feathered hair. And I think I had braces. <laughs> you can just picture <laughs> so that. Well, you mentioned like it was probably a dare. And I always had that in the back of my mind too. Oh, for so sure, if I yeah. if I looked happy or excited about this and then it turns out to be a dare, that would be humiliating. So I'm gonna go into this acting acting nonplussed. Mm -hmm. Well, and let's be, I'll be real honest with you. I wasn't like, it probably wasn't a dare. Like I was friends with like yeah. the girls who did get asked out and stuff like that. So, you know, sadly it wasn't like one of those cliched, you know, John Hughes movies where yeah. you've got Joan Cusack over with, you know, her scoliosis yes. brace on and the guy just <laughs> dared to, I mean, but at the same time, I was not the girl that all the um, Jake Ryans were asking to dance. So it's a song that made me for one reason mm -hmm. or another, because when I hear that song, I go back to the seventh grade Valentine dance. Oh God. And mm -hmm. all of that smashed into six minutes and truly like the whole um, six minutes in heaven yeah <laughs> and right now my skin is kind of crawling because oh i can be put right back into there because it it talk about things that made me my insecurity made me right yeah yeah mm -hmm. so and i know a lot of people listening can relate to that too welcome to the hotel california I can totally relate to a lot of that because my next song is something very similar, um, mm. a similar experience involving slow dancing and boys and all of that. And I think I've shared this before, but um, so my next song is Sometimes When We Touch by Dan Hill. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much, and I have to close my eyes and hide. Okay, you guys, that song. Um, I was in seventh grade in 1977 when that song came out and attending my first boy-girl parties, you know, when you go to someone's house. Mm -hmm. And every time the song comes on, I get kind of this yucky, uncomfortable, kind of awkward feeling in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I am immediately transported to like a dark wood-paneled family room with shag carpeting. 
And when we went and saw Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and there's the scene of the boy-girl yes. party. I think that's probably in a basement, but we didn't have basements in Texas. So um, it was very much like that. Uh, just, you know, the boys kind of on one side, the girls, the kind of whispering. But at the same time, I remember I really wanted to be invited, but I almost didn't really want to go. It's like, I, I'm yeah. glad I was there, but I didn't want to be there. That kind of tension. No, it's whole. totally like what I just said. Yeah, I'm glad is. to get a exactly. yes to dance by him, but please don't make yes. me dance with him. Right. <laughs> right? I want to exactly. be chosen, but don't make me touch him. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. you kind of knew when you're sitting there talking to your friends, there's like someone was going to get the bottle. I mean, we were playing spin the bottle. We were doing seven minutes in heaven and slow dancing to this song. And you just so eloquently stated how we danced in junior high and middle school. And in my case, it was like hands on shoulder. So it was like a, mm-hmm. the box step. Or, yeah. yeah. It was mm-hmm. in the swaying. Oh, kind both? Of that guys, way. guys' hands too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, so we, we weren't, at least maybe I didn't put off those vibes like you did in your polka dots, but mine was like it was shoulder <laughs> so, to sh- Well, I'm thinking it was shoulder to legs. shoulder. But or in my we were page, shoulder waist. Be, we were shoulder yeah. waist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. All I know is that my hands were resting on top of, well, Scott's. I'm just going to say Scott. But um, back in middle school, I was pretty much on the taller end, probably one of the top three tallest girls in my class. Scott was maybe on the other end, oh, on God. the short side. Oh. So oh. already it's awkward. Already I'm not sure I want to be there. You're talking about kind of looking over their shoulder as you're <laughs> dancing. I'm like looking way over Scott's head. Like, you know, it, I wasn't even – and just – and I mm-hmm. – it was just this uncomfortable, am I doing it right? Why am I so tall? You know, I'm awkward. And that – and just feeling really out of place. Like, mm-hmm. I just do not belong here. But everyone's kind of acting like we belong here, but I don't. And, like, am I really immature? Why do I have this feeling of, like, people are excited, but I'm not? And that is the exact feeling I get. When sometimes when we touch comes on, on 70s on 7 or on an Apple playlist, and again, my kids go, we know, Mom, this is one of the first songs you slow dance to, and the guy was really short. I'm so sorry you get such a bad feeling with that song, because that song gives me, and you know, here we go, yucky feeling in my tummy, but in a good way. It gives me that twisty feeling, and Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It's almost so sad. It's so mm-hmm. sad, but it's like beautifully sad. But I love listening to that song, so I'm so sorry that you have. Yeah, a, a, I'm, it's almost like that feeling when because I, I love the song too for the the musicality of it and the words, and it's like almost when you have like a, I don't want to say a bruise. What is that thing when you have something that hurts but you keep like pushing it, and it's kind of this mixed. Maybe never mind. I'm going to take all of that out. I don't know, Carolyn. I don't know. Well, like, you know, if you have a canker sore in your mouth and, and you can't play with there. it, it kind of hurts, but yeah. you can't stop Like, you're just with checking. It. You're just pleasure you're pain. You're yes, just pleasure pain. I think this is a universal experience where you are looking around and it appears that everyone else is so comfortable oh, yes. with what's happening around you. And you're like, why are they so comfortable yes. with this? Do they really know that much more than me? Have they really done this that much more than me? Right. Why do I know nothing? Right. Exactly. Well, let's flip that. Um, Rick Brannon, who we were like, is the Jake Ryan. And I'm thinking he's super confident and he's the Jake Ryan. He could have been terrified to ask a girl to dance. And he was like, oh, there's Michelle. She's safe. Right? <gasps> we don't yeah. know. Because I yeah. was like a really nice girl. I was friends with everybody and and th- we don't know. Right. We all perceive it we differently. Don't right. I think I we thought Scott know. probably asked me to dance because I was so tall and gangly and he um, 
I always remember he was like very self-confident. So he probably, in my mind, he felt sorry for me because maybe no one was asking me to dance because I was so tall. So he didn't, that didn't that's bother the, him. That's the whatever. equivalent of, I'm sure it's a dare. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. he felt sorry for me. That's the only reason. It's not mm-hmm. that he likes me. It's that he felt sorry for me. Again, right. junior high paranoia. Right. I hate it. At times I think we're drifters Still searching for a friend A brother or a sister But then the passion flares again And sometimes when we touch The honesty's too much and I Okay, my, my next one we're, let's just stick with the theme, shall we? Let's yes. keep oh, talking nice. about boys. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and my next song is Open Arms by Journey. Lying beside here in the dark Feeling your heart with And did you know this, that Open Arms is said to be the very first power ballad? Oh, oh really? That was not always a thing. The 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 hard rock, the classic mm-hmm. rock, mm-hmm. the um who did a touching, a slow touching love song. That was not always a thing. So it was actually written for the babies. Um, but the lead singer, John Waite, I'm not missing you at all. Yeah. That guy Love that song. He yeah. rejected it. He said this song is too syrupy and sentimental. I don't have I don't want to have anything to do with it. Wow. But Steve Perry loved it. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the words that we can all sing by heart. Not so much. Not their style. It was not macho. The song is not oh, macho. Sure. And they did not want to do it. Well, haha, joke is on them because Open Arms actually went on to be their biggest hit of all time, topping out at number two. We all think it's Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing only went to number nine. Oh, really? Wow. That's right. Until the Sopranos, you know, and it was born again. Right. But Open Arms is technically their biggest hit. And after Open Arms, all of those bands had to have a power ballad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like REO. I think about That's it. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So Open Arms is the song that I chose as the musical montage for my crush on my Scott. Scott S. One of the many Scots, obviously. We all had Scott. Actually, we had more th- I had more than one Scott S. So that's not even really helping. So many Scots. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this was our song. This was our song. He didn't know it was our song. Of course, right. (laughs) But it was. This was a long-term relationship in my mind. I had a crush (laughs) on this Scott S., this particular Scott S., since fifth grade. This is the Scott that I wrote about in my diary. And the girls at my 11th birthday party, when I turned 11, read my diary out loud and made the news of my crush public. Mm -hmm. A horrifying moment. Bitch. So now I'm in eighth grade. And I'm still in love with this Scott S. And this crush, with open arms as the backdrop, was the first time I had ever done anything about a crush. All the other crushes that I had had prior to that lived alone, silently, in my head. But in eighth grade, I felt like I could do something, not just love him from afar. So 
he was in my math class, and I was in the front row, and he was in the last row, which meant then when we passed our math papers back to get Mm -hmm. graded, you know how you do that? Mm -hmm. Pass your paper, one behind you, that person corrects your paper. That meant that Scott S. had to bring his paper to the front to be corrected by me. So I would leave him little encouraging notes <laughs> on his math paper. Like, You're doing good great. job. Oh, only one wrong, smarty. Stuff oh like that, right? Gosh. And then I progressed to asking him questions. What you doing this weekend? Anything fun? He never acknowledged this. He never <gasps> answered any of my questions. All of this was wordless. We never oh. spoke until the Halloween parade of 1981. Anoka, Minnesota, as many people know, is the Halloween capital of the world. There's a big-ass parade, Mm -hmm. which is like the social event of the year. And Scott S. was in the marching band. He played trombone. So I had um, a friend visiting from out of town, and I conveniently positioned us on the curb, you know, as the parade is going by. I positioned us on the curb at the very place where I knew the band members had to weave through once they were done. So we waited and we waited, and finally he came into view, and I struck, and I went, hi, Scott. (laughs) Well done. Well (laughs) done. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you probably planned that for days. Oh, oh, um, I probably scripted it, right? Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. And nothing. Crickets. I was so mortified. I mean, truthfully, he probably didn't hear me. (laughs) But in my mind, he overtly ignored me and did not respond. And on Monday at school, I felt the need to write him an explainer on his math paper. (laughs) To sort of save face from this thing that I had done. Hi, Scott. (laughs) What did you say? I blamed it all on my friend. I remember exactly what I wrote on his math paper. I said, I only said hi to you on Saturday because my friend thought you were cute. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm blushing. I know. For you right now. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. You and like again, to over-explain, don't you, Really making it better. Really making it better, though, Kristen. Just digging a hole. Just digging a hole. And the whole time in your head, you're hearing, so now I come, <laughs> come to, to you, you with open, open arms. arms. Yes, and crying. After oh, the Halloween yes. parade, I cried and cried because oh. I had ruined it. I had ruined it all by going, hi, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> if only you'd said something different. I know. <laughs> he was so, so freakishly indifferent to me. <laughs> And to this day, I don't think I've ever exchanged a word with this Scott S. Well, and we went all the way through high school together, elementary what? school, junior high, high school. Never exchanged a word after that wow. dramatic relationship we had. Okay, well, I'm going to take us out of boy crazy related (laughs) songs that made us. um, And I'm going to take us to 1981. And my next song that made me in middle school, junior high, is Our Lips Are Sealed by the Go-Go's.
1981 album, Beauty and the Beat. And honestly, every single song from this album could define my seventh grade year for such fun and happy reasons. I mean, it's the Go-Go's. Come on, right? How could it be anything? How could you have anything but fun memories connected to these songs? But this song, Our Lips Are Sealed, sticks with me for this reason. When I lived in Washington State from fifth grade through ninth grade, which I've said several times on this podcast, was really the most defining segment of my life um, and a place that was truly traumatic for me to move away from. But you guys didn't know that I was part of the Go-Go's. Did you? Oh, I did not. Uh, no. Yeah, I was. I was part of the Go-Go's. So our next door neighbors, Barbara and Kathy Shields, were the ages right in between me and my sister. So at this time, they were in eighth and ninth grade. And we did a ton of things with them. We were always over at each other's houses. And when my mom and my stepfather would travel, we'd just stay with them. So I'm going to guess it was about January or February of 1982, and we were staying with them for about a week. And the Beauty and the Beat album was huge still because it had just been released that previous summer of 81. We were, like you guys, like everybody listening, we were all obsessed. We knew all the songs, all the lyrics. So we decided to become the Go-Go's, even though there were only four of us. And we'd, we'd switch up the instruments um, so we all got a turn to be Belinda you know, obviously singer and Gina, the drummer, because those were the two most fun to be. Oh, and listeners, I used air quotes for switch up the instruments because since I was the youngest, I always got told what to do by everybody else. And I, I got told what part of each song I you was. Had I no never choice. got to choose. Yeah. yeah. No. But on Our Lips Are Sealed, I got to play guitar, the tennis racket guitar. <laughs> And that song has a very staccato guitar beat, so I could really nail it. And I just remember having so much fun. I'd swing it like Jane does when she, you know how Jane, when she's, she kind yeah. of, yeah. she kind of goes up and down like this with it and she sings and she's just so cute and so boppy. Cute. And so I just remember I would swing it around like Jane and I'd go up to the same mic. I don't even remember who was Belinda, <laughs> but I'd go up to the same mic and, you know, cause Jane does so much of the, the vocal, they all do yeah. background vocals, mm-hmm. but Jane sometimes has her own parts. And so that song to me just was so much fun. And we rehearsed, we did every song on the album. We rehearsed it all week long before putting on a concert of every song from Beauty and the Beat for her parents. I was going to ask who, for who? I hope it's not the people that's... They were our audience. Can you imagine how brutal that must have been to sit through? We had a keyboard. So they had an actual keyboard. The whole album. And then I think we set up like buckets and stuff for the drums. And we had a tennis racket guitar. So I just have a couple questions. Okay. <laughs> One, were there costumes or anything? I believe so, yeah. I bet we went all 80s. I can't say for sure, but okay. knowing how much time, my memory of how much time we spent, like <laughs> after school and the band evenings practice. after dinner. We uh-huh. had band pr- no, 100%. It was band practice up in like Kathy's room and because that's where the keyboard was. And so I don't have a memory of costumes, but just knowing the four of us, yes, there had to have been probably some mini skirts. Probably okay. like the little ties around our head, you know. Right. My yeah. sister Barbara and Kathy had great short layered hair, like feathered okay. back, you know. Um, my hair was longer and feathered, but yeah, I'm assuming I'm assuming like some esprit, probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and then mm-hmm. is the is the album playing quietly to oh. like carry the music? Right. Yes, yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's like lip syncing. You were lip sync. You put on the album and then did your yes. concert. We yes, okay. yes. Okay. The album's playing. We're lip syncing to. This song, though, I mean, it it makes sense to me that that this is the the well. First of all, it's all it's a girl band. It's all mm-hmm. girls, mm-hmm. and it made such a splash, like so many songs from junior high did, because it was so different. And the first time you heard that song, you were like, "What is what is this? Mm-hmm. What is this?" 
Well, and think I of the remember. Yeah, yeah, I could just uh-huh. go back and forth. Yeah. Um, I remember the first so time I heard this song, and it was on the bus. Somebody brought their oh. boombox on the bus, and I remember like turning my head around to look at the back of the bus. To and mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask because I'm too shy. But I'm like, what? What is this? that we're listening to mm-hmm. right now. Oh, yeah. Well, according to some of our, uh, our followers from our misheard lyrics, it was, I love Cecile. <laughs> I love Cecile. Mm-hmm. I love Cecile. Okay. So my third choice is Only the Good Die Young by Billy Joel. Come out, Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. All the sooner or later, it comes down to fate. I might as well will be the one. So whenever I hear this song, I am immediately transported to my cousin's family room in Atlanta, Georgia in 1978. And I think my cousin must have put this song on the record player or something or the radio was on. But anyway, it was playing, and my mom came into the room, and she said, Carolyn, I don't want you listening to this song. It belittles the Catholic faith and makes fun of people who are Catholic. And I was like, what is she even talking about? Like, to me, the only Catholic part really in that song was when Billy Joel sings, Catholic girls start much too late. And I will, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I thought that he meant they started their periods late. Oh, like when I first heard that. That's kind of how naive I was with the box step, that you know. Hands I just well. thought yeah. it was in general. They just started everything a little oh, too oh, late in general. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's what it means, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm thinking, you know, first of all, I have no idea what she's talking about because, I mean, I guess, you know, I would sing some of the words, but this was one of the first times I heard it. And all I knew was, ooh, this is something maybe I shouldn't be listening to. Um, and evidently, actually, lots of Catholics got upset about the song and some radio stations even banned it, which, oh of course, God. like really? a lot of things, made it that much more popular. Mm-hmm. And um, Billy Joel actually finds it ironic because he said, if you really listen to the lyrics, the song is not as much anti-Catholic or anything as it is pro-lust because he wrote this song based on this Catholic girl that he wanted to, you know, have relations with in high school named Virginia Callahan. He actually names her in interviews and stuff and I guess was never successful. So, um, and in the song, the, um, our main character is not successful, but like many other pop culture things that my parents kind of forbid me in quotation marks from experiencing like watching Three's Company, watching Soap. Those were two things I could not do. Um, it just made me want to listen or experience those things more. So obviously, mm-hmm. I love, love, love Only the Good Die Young. <laughs> I know every single word. I will sing it as loud as I possibly can whenever <laughs> it comes on. But I got to tell you, it's not without this little nagging feeling of, ooh, I'm getting away with something. Like, <laughs> Maybe I need to look over my shoulder and see if Lillian is going to pop around the corner. But I told you not to listen to this. So do you that, put it on? Do you put it on specifically like when your mom's visiting and just sort of look at it like I'm an adult? I, I think can my, sing this now. You know Lillian now. She's evolved, so I yes, think she, she has, would be sure. all about that song and be like, yeah, "Yeah, those Catholics, how dare they like tell you when or when you can't do stuff?" Like, you know, she would be. All so for too, the yeah. song, I she think. She really, so. yeah, at this point in her evolution, she would be like, give me that Billy Joel song. I know. <laughs> That's right. Like, that one about the Catholic girl. <laughs> She'd be shipping Virginia and Billy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
ah, yeah, but still that little, you know, that middle school girl in me still has mm-hmm. that. Of kind of like when, of you know, I think maybe Kristen, when we were in Maine, somewhere where I smelt pot, you know, oh, very yes. where it's legal, so you can be smoking it, but it's that initial feeling like, oh no, someone's going to yeah. get in trouble. Yeah. Like, no matter how legal it gets, that's going to always, anytime I smell mm-hmm. it, that's going to be the, what comes up for me. Darling, only the good die. My next pick is On the Radio by Donna Summer. On the Radio. So On the Radio was released in 1979, but it didn't climb the charts until 1980. And it was Donna Summer's 10th top 10 hit. Wow. It was on her first compilation album called On the Radio Greatest Hits Volumes 1 and 2, which I had because I loved Donna Summer. And until recently, I didn't fully remember how much I loved Donna Summer until I found an old school folder full of scraps, like stuff that I had cut out of magazines. It had C-3PO and R2-D2 on the cover, which tells you when I probably bought this folder. And it was full, chock full of things that I had cut out about Donna Summer. (laughs) I love that. Articles, pictures, drawings. I I had just spaced this period of my life. I mm-hmm. I was so focused on the boys that I was in love with that I had forgotten about the women that I idolized. Um, I think I showed you guys the drawing that I yep. did of yes, Donna Summer did. at Studio Fifty Four. We had it in our weekly reader. Yes, so it was in the weekly reader. Have seen it? Yep. And um, that was in the folder. And okay, so how did this song change my life? So in those days. If you liked something and you listened to it a lot on your stereo or your boombox or whatever, your whole family had to listen to it too. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, right? I wasn't mm-hmm. wiring it directly into my ears. It didn't come out of my phone. This is why my brother can sing all of Andy Gibbs' songs. And this song, so that means this, when I'm listening to Donna Summer, my whole family is listening to Donna Summer. And this song started something that continues to this day. 45 years later. Wow. If you ask my mom to turn on the radio, 100% of the time, she will go, on the radio, whoa, on the radio, the whole time, not turning on the radio. So we're driving in the family station wagon. Mom, can you turn on the radio? (gasps) On the radio, whoa. She would just, and she doesn't know any other words. Those are the only words that she knows. She's been doing this since 1980. My mom has never not sung on the radio when anyone <laughs> utters anything about a radio. <laughs> I love that. And yet she would not turn on the radio. So then you're getting mad. Yes. Yes. You're she's getting pissed. On. And she turn just thinks probably radio. since 1980, since 1980, since 1980, <laughs> Linda thinks she's as clever now <laughs> doing that as she did then. That's why I love it. That's why yes. I love it. Because because as moms now, we're that mom now. Uh-huh. Like I do things still, or little things we all do that our uh-huh. you know our kids are just like ugh. We think ugh. we're cracking people up. Oh, these are hilarious. <laughs> right. Hilarious. When I'm like, I oh, you know it. why I love this or I hate this song, kids, and they're like, we know, mom, you played it in band with na 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 na. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and also another reason I love that, Kristen, is because truly in the decade, you know, the years to come, 
you know, when you hear that song, that gives you that kind of very sweet memory <laughs> of your mom. Yeah. Right? On the radio. I'm going to be honest. Um, That's the only words to that song I know as well. (laughs) You and Linda. Okay, my last song that made me truly made me, and you're going to figure out, you'll you'll learn how um, when I get to the end of this story. So my last song is Rock This Town by the Stray Cats. And as a child, I was really weirdly into the 50s, like even way before middle school. I just always gravitated toward the fashion, the music. I can't imagine that Happy Days and my love for Happy Days had anything to do with that, right? (laughs) Ha ha. Uh, but oh, so Stray Cats was their first, was Stray Cats' first album, was released in the UK in 1981. It wasn't released in America, though, until 1982 when I was in eighth grade. Um, and for fact checkers out there, yes, we know it was actually a combination of their first two albums, and the album was actually called Built for Speed when it was released here, but because I know someone's going to go, that's not mm-hmm. exactly correct. Anyway, I was obsessed with that cassette. I had the cassette, I wore it out. So at the end of eighth grade, I tried out for cheerleader for the next year. We didn't have cheerleaders in middle school, but we had high school cheerleaders. So I tried out for cheerleader for ninth grade. And you guys, in this small high school in Ridgefield, Washington, the cheerleader tryouts were held in front of the entire <gasps> student body of the <gasps> no, high school. No, that's wrong. That's not Of okay. the high school. Like, of there the was an assembly. School. There was a high school assembly oh to watch cheerleader tryouts. No. How? That's No. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's pure objectification. And then the student body, oh my which God. totaled no. only about 400 in, the whole, in all four grades, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, but still, that's 400, that's 400 people, people yeah. voted on <gasps> slips of paper. They had a ballot, and they would check. And it truly was like this. There was a count. Whoever oh got God. the highest were varsity. The next highest were JV. And it didn't matter what grade you were in, okay? This is so horrible, especially... If you're just a little eighth grader trying out by yourself in front of the entire high school student body, which I did. So you had to do a cheer and you had to do a dance in front of all those kids just sitting on the bleachers staring at you. And little Michelle made up her own dance because you made up your own dances to rock this town. And damn it, you guys, if she didn't make varsity football (gasps) cheer Little Michelle, Michelle. ninth grader on varsity. Before you're too impressed, there were only five cheerleaders on varsity. (laughs) But I was the only freshman. I got enough votes to make varsity. And also before you're even more impressed, my sister, who was a junior at the time of tryouts, she she was one of the other five on varsity football. And I'm sure all her friends voted for me because... There's like, oh, there's Melanie's little sister, right? Let's vote for her. I made varsity football and I made JV basketball. So then there was somewhere they did that. Um, But anyway, that song will always, always take me back to making up the dance over and over in my room. Oh, you make up your own dance. Oh, yes. Oh, you make up your own dance. So I can still do part of it. Oh, I'm so So, excited. I had to You're going to show us. Both of you are going to recreate your dances. You can imagine... An entire high school gym 
and all the bleachers are on one side and they're full and you would sit in sections, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And here comes little eighth grader Michelle, probably with her braces. And I just remember standing there all by myself in the middle of the gym and the music starting. And I can, every time I hear that song, I, I get taken back, but I did it. I made varsity. So you talk about a song that made me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. Again, mm-hmm. we were the sputters. Our mascot was a potato um, <laughs> oh and a big potato with a crown. And he dances around <laughs> with his little arms and his legs out. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're the Ridgefield Sputters. Um, shout out to Ridgefield, Washington. I know I probably have some friends that are listening. Ridgefield Sputters, he was a big paper mache potato, and he had a little crown, and he wore, like, blue, like a unitard. And then the next year, just just on a side note, just if, um, in case you think that I'm, like, tooting my own horn here, this is so sad. The next year, I tried out again, obviously. I made varsity both football and basketball because by then I'd been, you know, for sophomore year, Went to cheerleading camp that summer. Like, it was so fun. And then the week I got back from cheerleading camp, my mom tells me we're Oof. moving and I have to leave. And so Ouch. the alternate got moved up into my yeah. – oh, it was, it's horrific. It was terrible. But anyway, um, yeah, so anytime Thanks you for guys ruining rock my this life, town, mom. rock this town, imagine little eighth grade Michelle. So you got to we're choose rock, rock this town, this town and make up the choreography. Out. Yeah. Okay. We're going to rock this town, make them scream and shout. I, like I believe I had something like this. It's a rock, a rock, uh, you know, like the guitar. We're going to rock to we pop. Sorry, listeners, you can't see that. But oh, I was doing like, I you know how people, when they that. play the guitar and they do their yeah. arm in a circle? I believe there was a couple of those. Oh, yeah. It was a bop, man. I, I danced to that. Yeah, I'm sure it made you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It yeah. didn't because let's be real, being a cheerleader or whatever doesn't make anybody. But when you're well, in eighth grade and you've had to go through that horrifying experience of trying out and then you realize yes. you not only made it, but you made varsity. I yeah. was sort of like, okay, like I can do this. And then I realized, oh, it's probably my sister's friends. Well, just no. But like, still oh. that contrib- that contributed to your your who Michelle became as she entered high school. Because mm-hmm. there's no doubt that walking into 100%. your high school with that in your back pocket changed yes. how you presented your persona. Well, you were a Rick different Brandon. Michelle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Suck you were a Rick different Brandon. Michelle I made varsity. In. You're mm-hmm. in JV football, but yep. I made varsity cheer. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. I'm cheering for all, like, I'm cheering for John Leslie. I'm cheering for all the cute <laughs> seniors. Um, yes, I agree with you. 100% walking into freshman year at Ridgefield High School, I sort of felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't have yeah. a boyfriend, but that's okay because I'm on varsity cheer. Let's flip that completely one year later, walking into sophomore year high school. Sorrow High School, Scottsdale, Arizona, when there are over 400 people in my sophomore class, and I'm nobody. And I, I was in my shell completely. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't speak to people. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tough stuff. But let's go back to Rock This Town. Rock This Town. <laughs> rock it inside out. These are the We're moments of our lives. Town. I know, right? Mm-hmm. We survive. We yeah. survive. Rock This Town. Rock it inside out. I think one thing that we've made clear today is that the songs that we grew up with made a significant contribution to our lives. Even if that contribution was small, it was still significant. And that's why listening to music from the past isn't just about being too lazy or old to discover new music we enjoy. It's a, it's about more than enjoying the music. It's about reaching back in time and having a little moment with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really hope our kids will have that same experience when they get older. 
Taylor Swift and Harry Styles are giving mm-hmm. me hope. But, you know, there was a time when I was like, will they be able to have the same thing? Thank you so much for joining us today and going deep with us on the music that helped us grow up. Thanks to all of you for listening and for sharing our podcast with others. That's huge. And for clicking the stars on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review wherever you can. That helps us get heard maybe one day by Hoda, Kelly Ripa, Katie Couric, the list goes on and on. (laughs) And to those of you who take your support of the PCPS to the next level on Patreon, there are not enough thank yous and high fives and hugs for all of you. You are truly what keeps the gas in our tank and keeps this whole thing trucking. And today we're giving a shout out to patrons Susan, Penny, Jill, Lance, Hillary, and Debbie. And did you know that besides a podcast, we also have a huge social media society? It's true, and it's so much fun. We post daily Gen X memories, and we love to see all of the engagement, and we love reading your stories and the comments you have because of the memories that our posts spark for you. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Pop Culture Preservation Society and join us. If you have three songs that helped you grow up, send us a message on our website. We love to hear from you guys. Go to poppreservationist.com, click on contact, and scroll down until you see start recording. And when you're done, you can sign up for our weekly reader, a once-a-week email newsletter that's like a follow-up to each episode. This week, we'll be sending a link to the podcast that inspired this episode called 10 Things That Made Me. And definitely that Chariots of Fire video with Vangela smoking a ciggy and playing the piano. You can sign up on our website or at our link tree on Instagram. And maybe if you guys are lucky, um, we'll throw in some pictures of us during middle school so you guys can see um, just and what little of fire. Carole- Yes, and the, the Chariots of Fire. I'm going to throw a cheerleading um, uh, from okay. Ridgefield in and let's all throw a picture in so you guys can see. You, you can put a picture to these stories. The one right? with Carolyn playing her clarinet. Yes, I do. Oh, I would I've love a clarinet, clarinet picture. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Courtesy of Janet and Jack and Chrissy, our Three's Company roommates, to good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Something always